Hello again from Brussels, the European Parliament, the Vox Box. This is MEPcast, our third episode, and I'm very happy today because we have with us, okay, I'm going to have to say it right. I'm going to say Midge because that's how I call you. Midge Rahman. Midge is fine. Hi, Anna. It's Midge is fine. Okay. Midge Rahman, who is the European guru of the Eurasia group. Midge and I know each other from the times of almost Grexit. Now he's an expert on Brexit and many other things <laughs> that have to do with Europe, geopolitics. I'm not going to go through your academic and professional CV because that'll take up the whole MEPcast. Um, I'm very, very pleased that you're here today because I thought it would be, it's still January, and I would love to discuss with you some aspects of what you've highlighted in this excellent report that talks about the top risks for 2020, Eurasia's top risk report. Now, I can't go through all of them, but I will tell you that I have, in my mind, grouped what the challenges and risks are for 2020, the basic ones, and I call them the ABCs, America, Brexit, and China. Now, you've framed these risks a little bit different, but if it's okay with you, I, I would like to start and you're welcome to elaborate on anything you want. But I would like to start with what you have as a top risk, which is A, America, U.S. domestic politics. That's what you are, are putting um, forth as a top risk. Impeachment, uh, legitimacy, divisiveness, these kinds of challenges. Um, I, as you know, am the vice chair of the International Trade Committee. So it's particularly interesting for me if you can also touch on Trump and trade, <laughs> and what that means. Thanks, Anna. So I think, I think the way you're framing 2020 is the right way to think about the risks this year. From our perspective, I think the last decade has basically been Europe dealing with internal issues. It was the Greek debt crisis that you've spoken about. It's Brexit, it's rule of law issues. Mm -hmm. And I think for the first time in 2020, Bigger challenges for Europe are going to come from the outside world. It's really about how the EU interacts with the rest of the world and Europe's desire to recognise the new realities of the world within which we live, Trump administration, some of the ways in which he goes about doing business, mm -hmm. China and what it's doing in terms of consolidation mm -hmm. around a very different political and economic model right. and really asking the question, well, where does Europe sit? in that context. Now, the French have a big agenda. Right. And the agenda is geopolitical I, I've Europe. I've noticed, yes. <laughs> right, it's about, it's about essentially addressing the question, do we want to be on the menu or sitting at the table? And if we want to be at the table, Europe has to do more strategically right. in the areas of military, defence, technology, to really be an autonomous player in the 21st and 22nd century. So, so is this the chicken or the egg? Or, I mean, is this a necessary strategy for Europe if it's going to survive in the new order? Or is this VDL saying this is a geopolitical commission, so we're focusing on geopolitics? Which one is? Which one came first? I think, it's a, I think it's a bit of both. Honestly, I think, I think it is good for the EU right. to recognise that the transatlantic relationship, from a structural perspective, is likely to continue facing headwinds. Yes. Likely Trump will, you know, very likely, that he will election. win uh, the election later this year. So there's another 
four to five years of a fairly challenging transatlantic context. Mm -hmm. And then the Chinese, as I've said, are, are really in the process of consolidating around Xi Jinping. So in that context, of course, Europe does need to be the advocate and the guardian for multilateralism, but it actually needs to equip itself with instruments to allow it to do that, which means a more aggressive trade posture, right. dealing with the fact there is lack of reciprocity between ourselves and the Chinese public procurement market, mm -hmm. dealing with the fact um, the French and others want to address this problem of tech and social media giants, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with the fact we don't really have a continental army, we're not going to have a continental army, but we need to be more autonomous in the areas of defence, and maybe we can do that through use of our single market by breaking down barriers to cross-border trade and technological development. So it's really in these three to four areas, tech, climate, trade and defence, mm -hmm. where the European Union wants to be a leader. And I think that creates a lot of problems, arguably for Europe's relationship with China, with the US, over the course of this year and over the medium term. Do you think that Europe has missed the boat? Do you think that Europe can achieve its overall objective of being, uh, like for example in trade, being a leader or top player in trade? Or do you think that we're inevitably being sort of squeezed between America first and China's different model, which right. you can't exactly... So I think it depends on the area. So for digitization, I think Europe has missed the boat. Right. Because you see where the tech giants are, where they're based, where all the innovation is coming from. It's not Europe. What about for 5G? I don't mean to interrupt you, but today is also... There's a big decision in the big UK. A big decision in the yeah, UK. And I think, you know, this speaks to China's supremacy and the fact, frankly, it has a monopoly on that technology right. um, that makes the UK somewhat dependent on the need for Chinese technology in order for Boris Johnson to deliver on some of his election commitments sure. around levelling up the country. Right. But on climate, mm -hmm. Europe wants to be a leader. Yes. So we have the Green Deal. The Green Deal is a massive meta project for this commission. It subsumes capital markets yes. union, the discussion on fiscal space. Yes. It also has big implications for our trade policy, you know, this notion yes, of... For our uh, industrial policy. For our industrial policy and the way we think about state aid, the emissions trading scheme. So this is much more than a green strategy. This is a green and a growth agenda. And I think von der Leyen is very clear-sighted in that she wants Europe to be a leader in this space. And I think Europe will actually lead the debate in this space. So what she said in Davos, happen. right? This is the new growth strategy for Europe. Is exactly. The Green Deal is the growth strategy and we want a sustainable economy and we want a data-driven economy and she talked also about defense which is what you what you also talk some about. sort of common structure we don't know where that's gonna where that's gonna lead but do you think it'll be a confrontational time I mean we already internally see or externally both so I think and I think it's both I think you've got a lot of internal challenges, Brexit, rule of law, migration, the MFF, none of these issues are resolved. The risk now is this very aggressive external posture risks exacerbating those internal tensions right. and creating tensions between the EU and lots of different 
partners around the world. I mean, Wilbur Ross has said yes. they view the carbon border adjustment as a protectionist measure yes. and they will retaliate with tariffs. Right. Um, Munchin, Treasury Secretary, told Sajid Javid that if the UK, France and other countries move ahead with a tech tax, they will implement tariffs right. on the auto and consumer Actually, sector. The, the tech tax is something that Europe seems to be united on at the moment, at least, if I understand well, I correctly, even though there is a truce, right? I mean, France right. sort of backed down in Davos, and now we're moving toward a different position. Maybe. So maybe a global solution through the OECD, but von right. der Leyen's been clear that if you don't get a global solution, Europe should act collectively, exactly. meaning not simply at the national, but also at the EU level, which will infuriate the Americans. So of course. already we're seeing, I think, material challenge to the transatlantic relationship, and that's not just Boris versus Trump on Huawei or Macron versus Trump on tech taxes. It's about Europe's more aggressive posture in the world. And right. I think EU's got to be careful it doesn't bite off more than it can chew. Well, at the same time, though, though von der Leyen seems to be saying that, yes, you know, we'll, we'll have a deal in a week or a couple of weeks. Right. Do you think that's realistic? Not at all. And, and, and can I also get your assistant, assist, uh, assessment while we're discussing this on, do you think the trade deal with the UK after Brexit will be done by the end of the year. We're going to have another cliffhanger at the end of uh, yeah. 2020. So on the US, Anna, I think there's basically four challenges to the EU-US relationship. One is a bilateral dimension, right. EU-US. Right. It's going to require time to resolve. The second is a multi multilateral dimension. That's about US and the WTO yes. and what they can do there. There's an internal dimension about the EU developing its own rules and what it can do to, as I said, you know, stand up to the Chinese, stand up to the Americans. I think that's another big piece of the EU-US agenda. And, and there's others as well which suggest it's not going to be something that's resolved quickly. I think, I think von der Leyen, as a German, mm -hmm. is, is instinctively transatlanticist in her outlook. And so what you've got is a new commission president that wants to be a bit softer with the Americans compared to Juncker. But on substance, there are so many structural challenges across the areas I've just mentioned. I just find it hard to believe you'll get any resolution prior to November. I'd like to, um, just since I have you here, we'll, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk again at the Delphi Forum. I know you're going to be in the Delphi, at the yeah, Delphi looking Forum. looking forward to that. Yes, that's always a good opportunity, the beginning of March. Um, I've read endless pieces on, on, on Brexit, but I used to read endless pieces of yours about Greece. So now we have, as you know, a new government, and we have uh, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, a new prime minister, and it's a new day for Greece. Yeah. Greece is back, as we would like to say. Um, could you just give us your take on, on what's going on in Greece? I know you follow things very closely, even I though... I do, and I actually think this is... I, I completely agree with your description. I think you've got a government with a strong majority, strong leadership at the top, quasi-technocratic in the way they're thinking about economic reform, reform mm -hmm. of the judicial and bureaucratic institutions of the country. That's arguably uh, very different from the narrative that's been painted about Greece over the course of the last decade and quite promising. When we look at the entire EU, Greece is actually one of the most promising spots right now, given the administration and their reform agenda. Oh, great. We can talk about that more in Delphi, Absolutely. in Greece. Thank you so much. Thanks Maybe. for having me, Anna. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.